0: Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast. This episode is Helpline with Mothercraft nurse extraordinaire, Chris Minogue. If she can't help you, nobody can. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love with Mothercraft nurse, Chris Minogue. Every week, Chris comes on the show to answer your questions, whether you might have some challenges with breastfeeding or getting your little one to settle. You might have a toddler and a small baby. You might be trying to work out how you get them both to sleep in the middle of the day. That was a huge thing for me. Um, If you have a question, you can put them to Chris in a number of ways. If you're watching us via Facebook Live on the Babyology website page, you can pop a comment below the video. If you're listening to us via the podcast, you can email at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au and Chris will answer your questions in the next episode of Helpline next week. You can also call. We love it when people call. We don't do, we, Chris. We certainly do. Then she can then Chris can ask you questions. You can um, yeah. get a bit more feedback. The number for calling in is 1-800-543-772. First, we are going to start with a question from Emma on email. She has a 22-month-old. Any advice on how I can get more veggies into my increasingly fussy 22-month-old son and how concerned should I be that he is not consuming the recommended five to seven serves of veggies a day? Also, it seems he is getting fussier around certain foods. How normal is it for toddlers to gobble up a particular type of food one day (laughs) and then flat out refuse the same food the very next night Mm. and continue to do so? She has already tried mixing veggies in with bolognese. He refused to eat it. He will eat broccoli and yogurt, Ugh. probably um, Greek yogurt. I can see <laughs> oh, that, that working. Can, yeah, yeah. Uh, won't eat any made savoury food like muffins, etc. Yeah. and he still has two breastfeeds but will be weaned in the next few months.
1: Welcome to the world of toddlers and food. <laughs>
0: So very normal is the answer. So to the first question, yeah, right?
1: <laughs> I don't know any toddler that's ever eaten five to seven ver- um, serves of veggies in a day. So I usually go with, if you have three veggies that you can consistently get into a toddler, you should high five yourself, because there comes a stage around that eighteen to twenty months where they define foods, they like them separated. They like them in particular ways. So they might eat a carrot stick that's steamed, but they won't eat it if it's mashed. And it's the same thing. So they're trying to define where the food lies. So all I would say is that all the foods that he has experienced eating before, I would continue to give him whether he ate it or not so that he can see it, okay, okay. There are many ways to hide at least three veggies into his foods by making foods that you know he enjoys with a mash of vegetables through it. Um, So the first thing to reassure you is it's absolutely completely normal. The thing you need to do is keep giving him the experience of the food, whether he eats or not and don't play games so if he doesn't need it he doesn't need it then move on to the next thing you're doing whether it's a bath or a feed or out to play so don't make it a really big deal because that sort of incites them to become more and more difficult and children will go through periods where they eat everything and then they'll go through periods where they eat one thing off the plate but as a as a mom and a parent you've got to take a breath and you've got to let it go they will not starve themselves and they will one day grow up to eat lots of food, won't
0: they? I'm, I'm still waiting. Having said that, um, <sighs> there was one thing that people always used to say to me that I hated. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And that was um, give them the same veggie X amount of times because they'll refuse 15 it 15 times. times. And do you know what? They were right because the one vegetable that I consistently put consistently gave was broccoli, and it's the only one of the few vegetables that That my daughter will still eat. So it's true.
1: It takes fifteen experiences sight in something before they might engage with it, and that's Mm. really frustrating when you're making this gorgeous meal, and then they go, "I'll eat that one pea that's sitting in the middle." But you have to take a little breath and that's the way they develop. So I do little tricks like, say you're trying to give them veggies. I just use frozen veg so I don't get so caught up in the, I've made this huge meal and you've just, you know, thrown it on the floor or fed it to the dog. I just use something that's quick and easy and I just keep putting it down. And even when you look at even, you know, Dr. Jen Cohen, who you've had on here, she says the same thing, got to keep putting it down. They might reject it one meal and eat it the next meal. You've got to keep putting it down. So variety and consistency is the key to the long-term goal, which is good feed, good eating.
0: And so when Emma asks about the nutritional value, it sounds yeah. like she's worried that um, her son's not going to get the vitamins, et cetera, he needs to grow and for his brain yeah, to develop.
1: but they do. And when, you know, I've never seen a toddler do five to seven veggie serves. In fact, I don't see many adults that even do that. Unless they're doing a stir fry. So I think what it is, is just about the variety of food and that the components of the food are nutritional to the child. So if what we see a lot is this becomes difficult, so they just feed them yogurt because they're eating yogurt, I would find that more difficult because you're restricting what they're eating. So as long as he's getting a good variety of food, he will pick his nutritional needs up as needed. So if he's really hungry,
0: he will eat. All right. Good luck, Emma. This next question comes from Jasmine, who um, has a nine-month-old. A couple of weeks ago, you gave her some tweaks. Um, It was from dropping from three naps to two naps for a nine-month-old. The suggestion was to have two and a half hours between wake-up and first nap, and then three hours between first Second nap with a bedtime of six. First and second nap with a bedtime of six thirty. Yep. The problem is my daughter is only napping for forty minutes and one hour twenty. Some days the morning nap is the long one. Sometimes the lunchtime one. Yep. So our our day goes: awake six a.m. Yeah. Often wakes between five twenty and five forty, but then she's just grizzly till about six. Nap eight thirty till nine ten. Second nap from twelve to one thirty ish. Nap at 4.30, which most days we drive her around for bed at 7.30. How do I get the naps longer? I sometimes think about resettling her, but it feels so hard as she usually wakes crying and wide awake. I also am questioning if it's too soon to drop the third nap.
1: Uh, well, we do need to twig this. You must have spoken to us when she was under nine months because that sounds like our seven to nine month um, plan. So at nine months, what we do now is we keep her awake for three hours in the morning then three and a half hours, and then three and a half hours. So if we worked it off your six o'clock start, we would put it down at nine o'clock. And in that window at nine o'clock, you need that to be your shorter sleep to long your afternoon, which is the one she carries longer. So at nine months, I put them down at nine and I get them up at 10. The minimum sleep there is 45 minutes. So that might work out for us. And then we go three and a half hours. So if we if we worked, you know, you put her down at nine, she went to sleep a quarter past, she's up at 10. Then I'm going to put her down at about 1.30. So I move through her day and at 1.30, even if she did an hour and a half then, that would hit three and then she'd be back in bed at 6.30. So when I put her down at 1.30, in my head, I'm thinking I'll work with her till about 3.30. So she might sleep till three, she might wake up crying, leave her to cry for a few minutes, go in and see if you can resettle her. Because often if you can resettle in the afternoon, they'll then weirdly sleep till four. So they actually get a really decent sleep. If she woke at four, I'd put her down at seven. So I think what I would do is now adjust her to this nine month routine. It's going to stay in place till she's around 14 months to move to one sleep and that might help this all settle down because she doesn't require as much sleep in the morning.
0: Okay. Well, hopefully that works for you this time, Jasmine. We have a question from Fiona on the phone. Fiona has a 17-month-old, and she has some questions about his eating habits. Hi, Fiona. How are you? Hi, good. I've actually not eating habits anymore. It's about his um, sleep routine. <laughs> okay.
2: No, we're <laughs> happy, well. we're happy Sorry, for we, any... We, we, yeah, we've figured out that one. Now we're on to a new issue. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Right. So, Chris, um, fantastic. I love the show, so thank you. I've yeah, just sure. noticed my little one who's 18 months, just turned 18 months, yep. um, we are on the one sleep a day at about um, the moment still at 12 and sleeps anywhere between 2 and 2.30. Yep. Um, I just noticed the last few nights he's been waking up at around 3, 3.30. Waking up in terms of just kind of sitting there, I can hear him call out Mama, you know, yeah. and just kind of talking to himself. Yep, that's right. I don't go in. We don't go in. Yeah. I stay in bed. I'm yep. not, not coming in. Um, and he'll settle himself, put himself back down, and then, you know, maybe wake up again at 5, and then, mm. you know, settle again... Himself. Yeah, and then he settles himself and then we don't go in there till um, the earliest 6 o'clock, yeah. between 6 and 6.30, six. Yep. which is like, fine. But I'm just wondering if that's enough sleep or what... Yeah, it is. is, is there what time do you put him down, wrong? Fiona,
1: in the evening?
2: Evening, yep. So I put him down around 7.00.
1: So the only tweak he could do is maybe put him down at 7.30, so he's been awake for five to five and a half hours. But the behaviour that you're describing um, overnight is a really common behaviour in children generally where they sit up and they talk. And then they put themselves down to sleep. And I see this happening from about nine or ten months right through until they're really, really tired, which is like two, two and a half. They have periods of talking. So if you don't have to go into him at all, then I think if you leave it alone and cross all your fingers and toes, you'll find in the next few weeks there'll just be less and less and less of them.
2: And I thought, well, maybe he might be cold or No, I think he'd cry. I think
1: he'd really cry if he was too cold, too hot. If it's just chatting to his left toe, which (laughs) if you look at them on the monitor, that's what they're doing. They're just picking up and they're just chatting to the end of their sleeping bags. I think that's more a developmental stage that we often see. But I would put him down that little half an hour later if he can because it might just – push it out further before he does it. So he does might it, only yeah. do it once a night instead of twice a
2: night. Okay. And then he does do a little cry, like a little kind of wind. I, thought, I wonder if it's just, if it might be nightmares or night terrors, but it's nothing that I need to go in for it. It's no. Kind of, Definitely oh, not, not a night
1: terror there. Not a, not a night terror. They're really aggressive. A okay. lot of no. crying. Nightmares. A little bit young because he you can't yep. tell you the witch was in the wardrobe or whatever no. <laughs> it was that you yet. told him. Um, so I think it's just this normal behaviour in okay. little ones where they talk Overnight, it's like they wake up, they talk, yeah. they realise they can, but they put themselves back to sleep again. So, okay, cross all those fingers and toes. I will. And, and I'm thirty. Yeah. And
2: then with his eighteen month routine, I don't need to move him to a twelve thirty sleep until maybe he's seeing. I'm seeing movement. Yeah, that's right. I'm not really seeing much movement. That's right. You're, if you're
1: not seeing any movement, yeah. you leave him where he is. But you know where like, the next movement will be as you see some deterioration in the sleep. In the
2: sleep. Great. Excellent. Well, fantastic, Chris. I love it. Love the show. And thank you so much for all your advice. It's always correct. Always.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Fiona. (laughs) Thanks so much. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. We have a question from Jenny, who's 11 and a half months old, and she's transitioning to daycare. Oh, okay. Any tips on how I can transition them to daycare? He's constantly crying. He also won't take formula and is exclusively breastfed. He won't drink his formula in a bottle or sippy cup, but he eats lots of food. He'll just wait until I come home for breast milk. Basically, I'm trying to wean him off the breastfeeding during the day and breastfeed only at home and overnight.
1: Okay. so So he's unsettled at daycare from this. You know, he's constantly crying there for me. So he's obviously having difficulties with that transition. And it depends, Jenny, how many days he's going and whether you've gone back to work again. But to answer the question generally, where you have the chance and you're transitioning to daycare, I take it in really small windows. So I might send them, say, an 11-month-old who has two sleeps in the day. I might send him between the sleeps for a day or two. And then the next week I might send him before the first sleep but pick him up before the big sleep in the afternoon And then do that for a couple of days and then just leave him for a short day. So I might drop him off at 8.30 and pick him up at 3.30 before you have to drop him off for whatever your full working hours are. So that's how, just in general, that if you can and have the chance to, how we transition them because they've got to attach to someone in that daycare and at the moment he might feel a little lost and that's why he's sort of calling out for you. So when you drop him off, stay a little bit longer, Give yourself 10 or 15 minutes to sit on the floor, let him move away from you. And I know that's hard when the, the clock's ticking for work, get into work. And also when you pick him up in the afternoon, pick him up and then play with him for a little while there before just picking him up and taking him out. And that might help him adjust. So as for the milk, though, usually at 11 and a half months, I would tell you to breastfeed him before you go to work, breastfeed him when you come home. And in the interim, I'd just give him a little bit of cow's milk in a cup and they can offer that, you know, two or three times during his stay until he gets used to it. Um, but ultimately, they'd give him a little bit of milk in his cup when they gave him lunch. So that's going to take a little bit of time because he's he's got two things going. He's, he's left you and he's not really adjusted just yet for that plus you know he's looking for that breastfeed for comfort so just get them to offer a little bit of cow's milk every now and again when he seems happy and eventually he'll pick the volume up and he'll just replace it with a bit of
0: milk at lunch and so there's no he's not missing out on anything is he no no he's not missing out on anything Chris Minogue and Helpline on Feed Play Love will be back answering more questions right after this When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club, one that only other parents can truly understand.
2: i spent a lot of time running and yelling names. Come back, get back here. But I bought him one of those backpacks that had a lead, like, you know, a monkey one? Because it
0: doesn't look as bad. Yeah. Like a disguise. (laughs) (laughs) The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for The Parent Panel wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your questions with Helpline and Chris Minogue. Tanya has a question. Um, Hi, my 14-month-old suddenly won't sit down oh, in the bath. Yes. Oh, God, I remember that happening. Oh. It's <laughs> just happened in the last two weeks. No idea why. I never knew why either. No. Um, I try and make her sit down, but nothing works, not even having her older brother in the bath sitting down. It's very stressful. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank okay. you. Okay.
1: I'd use bribery and corruption here. Um, I would get a little bottle of Bubbles. And before you even put her run the bath, and before you even put her in the bath, start blowing some bubbles, and then just say to her, "Mummy can blow some more bubbles when you sit in the bath." So we're giving her lots of positive. You sit in the bath, and I can blow, blow the bubbles, and then she won't even realise she's sitting in the bath, and then suddenly she's sitting back in the bath again. But if that doesn't trick, if bribery and corruption doesn't trick, um, work, then I try and take the stress out of it because they get more and more and more worked up and then it becomes more stressful. So I'd swap it around and pop her in the shower with your older child and they can, you know, play shower, in the shower with the water running over them. And we're just taking a little bit of stress out of the fact that every night you keep putting her in this place and every night she keeps crying about it. So have a shower, have a shower with mum, have a shower with dad, have a shower with your brother – and then try and get her back in the bath again. So you can take two approaches. You could try the shower for a couple of nights and then from the shower and put some new toys on the bottom of the shower so she doesn't even realize she's walking into the shower. And then after a few days, buy some bubbles. And even if you sit in the bath and blow the bubbles and say, do you want to get in and and put her in the bath and sit her down? It probably takes one time of her sitting in the bath and then it's done
0: Mm, that one time back
1: they just sort of do it in the end Mm. it's just how much fighting we do but weirdly they all do it why i don't know
0: (laughs) i I have no idea because it's 14 months um that's not really when they're pushing back is it because it's when they're a bit older but weirdly they do it at this but i think
1: it's also about the ability to stand up yeah, right. So it's where they're first standing and walking. So I think they they don't know the parameters of the bath. Like in a bath you need to sit because that's safe. They don't yeah. know that. Yeah. So they go, well, I need to stand because that's my new that's skill. Oh. So I think it's probably something, but they all do it. Yeah. There's some little gene in their head that says at this time you can stand up in the bath.
0: There you nice. go. Well, hopefully those tricks work, Tanya. Yeah. And uh, we have an email from Megan. My just-turned-three-year-old daughter is suddenly waking overnight. She has previously previously slept through from eight months. She wakes anywhere from once to four times per night. She will wake and yell out something. For example... Is it waking time yet? I can't find my teddy. Is it going to rain tonight? That's my favourite one. Is the Easter bunny coming tonight? I don't get up to her. I just shout no from my room. We have spoken about it and I have told her that it makes me tired and grumpy when I am working through the night. I have also brought her a grow clock, which she's obviously ignoring. She goes to bed at 7.30 and wakes up around 6.15. She's still having a daytime nap from about 12 to 12.30 and is up no later than 2. Is it Time for the nap to go. Please tell me not. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> There's Megan, one answer to that question, take Megan. A little <laughs> breath.
1: It's time to release it. So it's easier to have her up all day and sleep soundly all night than it is to have this going on because she's not getting the sleep either but that's the problem so but what we would do is reduce that day sleep down so she's just getting she's getting the equivalent of a two-year-old so she's having a lovely time and most parents tell me they need the sleep in the day yes they do because they've been up all night so what we're going to do is reduce it so she's having about an hour and a half it sounds like so I'd put it down at twelve thirty and get her up at 1.30 and I do that for about three to four days so that you are just slowly bringing the time frame down and then for the next three to four days I just give her 20 to 30 minutes and I do it as a nap so it might be accidentally in the car um, in that time frame or it could be oh I've just happened to put Peppa Pig's 55 minute movie on And she just dozes so that you're just slowly bringing this sleep that she's doing in the day down. And each one of those steps is going to increase her ability to sleep at night. So so you've probably spent about three days on each of those steps. And then you have to hold your breath and you have to go, okay, there's no sleep now. You're a big girl. You need to make sure daycare does exactly the same thing because otherwise they get into almost like a jet lag effect. So everyone's on the same page. And then um, on the days, the very first days that you drop her day sleep, she probably needs to be in bed somewhere closer to seven. So it could be quarter to seven if she's, you know, a bit tender around the 4.35 o'clock window, but it could be seven. So she will go to bed earlier than she has. So hopefully that's your payoff. She'll be in bed at seven o'clock, but she'll sleep soundly all night and so will everybody else.
0: Yeah, sorry for the bad news, yeah. but hopefully good sorry. news at the we end of the day. break it
1: as easily as we can.
0: <laughs> we have a question on Facebook from Pilar. This is again a waking overnight, but this time it's with an 18-month-old. Okay. Um, my son wakes at least a couple of times a night. During the day, he's already down to a single one-and-a-half to two-hour nap, and we put him to sleep at around 7, 7.30 until maybe 6 a.m., if I'm lucky. Between bedtime and 11 p.m., he's usually in deep sleep. But after that, he wakes with minor noises, but he's fully awake around midnight, 1 a.m., full crying and standing in the, cot, in the cot. He could go back to sleep for about one to two hours. I resettle again and he wakes again around 4.30 when most time he's ready to start his day. Sometimes yes. I bring him to my bed and he goes back to sleep, but other times he just rests there or talks, plays until 5.36 when we are all up. Right.
1: So weirdly, this is not as easy as the last
0: question. So we need to make sure that
1: he's up by two o'clock in his day sleep. Okay, so making sure that he hasn't overslept the day because that will give him more energy to be awake overnight. So in this period, if we can get him through to about six, I'd put him down at about 12.30, I'd get him up at two, and I'd put him down at 7.30. So parts of that are probably there, but it doesn't quite tell us when he has that day sleep. Um, because he could be having it a bit later and that's what's affecting your night. So the first thing is regulate the day sleep um, and give him about an hour and a half in that and awake by two. The next bit where you can, which it doesn't quite tell us, is what do you do when he wakes up? So hopefully we're going to give him longer periods to try and self-settle and when you go in you don't do very much at all. So some people will choose to shush from the door so that the child hasn't actually got that full contact with you. Other people choose to go in and just lay them down and give them a little pat. So we have to work out what's the most common thing that he knows about going to sleep and we give him a little bit of comfort of that. The most difficult would be that you feed him back to sleep, but you would have mentioned that so I don't think that's happening, or that you have to pick him up and cuddle him to go back to sleep because that removes him out of his bed. So ideally, once you've adjusted the day, if needed, then let him go, let him have a little, he talks and talks, and then he'll move into a little cry. Let him have a little cry for a short period, then go in, lay him down, few pats, time for sleep, and then hop out again. That will make him cry even more. So he gets even more, let him cry for a little bit longer, go in, repeat it. So there's probably a little bit about self-settling and a little bit about adjusting the timeframes to get him to sleep a little bit easier for you.
0: All right. Now we have time for just one last question, and it comes from Rhiannon on Facebook with a 15-month-old who is having tantrums. I try, as your book states, to distract him, which works some of the time. Lately, we go to the playground and he sees the big kids doing stuff and wants to do the same even though he's too small. Then he'll throw a tantrum. When he can't do it, I try distracting him on the other play equipment, but he screams and we have to leave. Goodness. That's fun.
1: (laughs) So he probably thinks he's a two-year-old in his little 15-month-old body. Um, So distraction is still where I would work from. But what I would do is maybe change up the time you go to the playground where there's, or change the playground to where there's more age-appropriate things for him to do because you're probably trying to save his life from climbing <laughs> up the slippery deer, pull up that, that maze thing that goes up in the air, and he thinks he can conquer it. So have a look at all the other parks in the area and see if he can switch it up a little bit and maybe switch up the time timeframe um, to see if you can get him – to sort of understand what you're trying to do. The second thing is, if that doesn't work, is try and help him achieve what he's trying to do. So if he wants to go up the slippery dip, you might be going up the slippery dip. So get up the stairs with him, help him to get up and then slide him down. You often need two people to do that because you need the catcher at the bottom. Um, but that's the only other thing that I can think of because these tantrums are specifically around the playground.
0: And he's too young to learn, isn't he? Yeah, he's
1: he's just in that repetitive mode, so he's just following everybody everywhere, but he hasn't realised he can't actually conquer that. Mm. Um, So have a look at the other playgrounds and and maybe find one that's a little bit more age-appropriate that he can do all the things
0: on and see if that might work. All right. Well, thank you, Rhiannon. Good luck with that. Um, That is all we have time for on Helpline today. Um, Just before we leave, though, I need to point out that we have a special helpline extra on Tuesday this week with Chris and Yumi Steins. They're going to have a a close look at toilet training. (laughs) So if you're interested, just head to the Babyology Facebook page. It'll be up there on Tuesday night, and we're going to try and pin it up there so you can always have a look at it. Chris, um, thank you so much for your time today. Always a pleasure. This has been Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt. If you want to ask Chris your questions for the next episode, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.